Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I love your podcast. This is gold. This is where it's at. Welcome back to another episode of the Bits of Gold podcast, aka the Build Your Dream Life podcast. I am so excited for this episode today with Nate Randall, CEO of Gab Wireless. Nate brings years of experience and expertise to the nation's leading kid safe tech company. Nate graduated in finance from the School of Business from the University of Utah. Early in his career, Nate held pivotal leadership positions at major companies like Vivint, Qualtrics, Callaway Golf, Utah Jazz, and Nike. He joined Gab in June of 2021 and took on the CEO role in November 2021. Above all, Nate Randall is a husband and father of four. He places the highest priorities on people and family. His focus on family directly translates into his leadership at Gab, where protecting kids and encouraging a stronger connection between families are core to the Gab mission. I am beyond excited to share this episode with you today. Nate's story is just remarkable, inspiring, and just amazing. At only five years old, Nate lost his dad to choices. At nine, he lost his mom to a car accident. And at 30, he lost his second child and later to rest next to his mom. In this episode, we dive into much of his personal story, much of his loss. In this episode, we dive into much of his personal story around grief, loss, and how the most difficult moments in his life has shaped his perspective and how he's living a life today. In this episode, we dive much into his personal life and discuss how those losses have shaped his perspective and how he's living a life he loves today. We also dive into what it's like being the CEO of Gab Wireless, a company that's raised money with over 100 employees and is creating tech and phones parents and kids both love. This conversation really moved me, and I know it will do the same for you. So with that, enjoy the show. Nate, thank you so much for coming on the Bits of Gold podcast today. Excited to have you on. Thank you, man. Good to be with you. Yeah, absolutely. So for those that are just tuning in, and I'm going to put it in the show notes, but I have been following you on LinkedIn for some time, and you post some great content on there. And your personal story is initially what really sparked my curiosity to reach out and connect with you. And I'm so excited to to share your story, both your childhood, but also the the awesome business you're building today. So pumped to have you on. Thanks, Dan. And, and likewise, I learned a little bit about your story. And it's why I reached out to you and said, I'd love to be on with you because we've different situations, but same in some of the challenges that we've had. So I appreciate you reaching out and taking the time. A hundred percent. So maybe just to start it off, I'd love if you can go back and share a little bit about your story, wherever it starts for you. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about me. I am a dad of four. So I've got a, a 19 year old. Our second child we lost at birth, which, which we can get into a little bit. She'd be 16. Our third child, Zach, is 14. And then our baby, Charlotte, is 10. I'm a dad of four. Been married to the best decision I ever made for 22 years now, my wife, Allison. Live in Utah. I've lived a couple of different places in the country. Majority of my career has been sports and tech. And right now I'm the CEO of a safe tech for kids company called Gab Wireless. Amazing. I'm almost intrigued to start this one with Gab Wireless. The business you're building makes so much sense to me. Maybe actually let's start it there. Gab Wireless, how does that come about? How did you start that? And also for those listening, what is Gab Wireless? So Gab Wireless is safe tech for kids. We believe that kids are getting crushed by smartphones. Parents are handing them to kids as young as 9, 10, 11 years old. And those kids are not mentally or emotionally ready to take on a smartphone. There's dangers and addictions on there that adults can't manage. If adults can't manage it, why can a kid manage it? So Gab Wireless was started 
with the strategy or vision of if smartphones are too much for kids and flip phones aren't enough, is there a middle ground where a kid so that they don't get bullied can look like they have a smartphone, which a gab phone looks like a smartphone, but not have all the features and bells and whistles of a smartphone that crushes a kid and gets them in trouble. So we're that sweet spot in the middle and we don't have internet games, social media, and it's a first safe step into tech for kids with their parents so they can learn how to text and talk and communicate before they take on the other features of a smartphone. Was there something that happened in your life that sparked this idea or how do you come up with the idea? Yeah. So our founder, his son was at the age where he was ready for a phone. So he went into one of the carriers, one of the retail shops and the sales rep said, you got smartphones and flip phones. And he knew the dangers of smartphones and the trouble kids were getting into. So he went to buy a flip phone. And his, I think, 13 or 14-year-old son said, Dad, if you get me a flip phone, I'm going to get bullied. I'm telling you right now, if you have a flip phone at my junior high school, it means your parents don't trust you and you've either been in trouble with porn or gambling or you're just the dork kid at school whose parents won't hook you up with a smartphone. So our founder, very quickly it clicked and he said, well, why is the Grand Canyon between a flip phone and a smartphone so big? There's got to be something else. And there wasn't. Mm. So we started Gab Wireless, a phone that looks like a smartphone but doesn't have all the addictive features on it that get kids in trouble. Could on there, can you evolve into like, can you get social media eventually or no? So no, not, not today. Our stance is our age range is from six to 16. And we're telling parents and taking a stance in that age range, your kids are not ready for social media. Mm. And you may want to be the cool parent and say, I'll give it to you, but with limitations. And those parents always come back to us when they hand the smartphone over to the kid and say, my son or daughter's getting bullied on social media, feels left out, confidence is down, yeah. all the way to suicidal. Yeah. Well, social media fucks up people who are, you know, yeah. 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Yeah. So. so I tell parents all the time, you would never take your kid to a public swimming pool, no swim lessons and push them in the deep end. You wouldn't do that. <laughs> parents freak out. Like you got to have your floaties on, your sunscreen, you got... You got to go through rounds of swim lessons. And then we do the equivalent with a smartphone. We go to our 11-year-old and say, here's a smartphone. I've put a few parental controls on it. Now here, and push them into the tech deep end. Mm. Kids don't come out in a positive way. More times than not, it's not if, but when. They are going to get crushed. Do you think you guys will come out with a computer that does the same? Yeah, I, I don't know. We have a lot of big ideas. Yeah. But right now we're focused on phones and watches. And the next thing that we're working on is more of a flexible option for older kids, uh, tweens and teens. We still don't have social media, but it'll have school apps, religious apps, maps, things that kids need as they get a little bit older that still do our best to keep them out of the addictive apps and things. Wow. That's amazing. How long has the business been around for? A little over two years. We can't make product fast enough. We had two significant stretches last year where we ran out. Wow. You guys mainly sell online. All through our website right now. A few more questions on this. What would you say has been the most surprising thing, I guess, since launching? It's a fairly young company. What would you say has been like the most surprising or most impactful thing as it relates to the, the customers you're serving? So we are selling to parents. It's mom and dad that buy. And then ultimately the user is a kid, generally between five or six to 16. And what has been amazing and eye-opening for me to watch is how many parents with the absolute best intentions give their kid a smartphone and have no clue what's going on. And then they find out, oh, my 12-year-old is sexting pictures to another boy or girl, or my 14-year-old is getting bullied through social media and I had no clue. There are all these things happening and parents are just naively turning their head and saying, if I don't know, I don't have to worry about it. And then it blows up and it's a major issue and they find out their kid has not been in trouble for a few days or a few weeks. It's been a few months and a few years. Mm. And these kids get chewed up fast. There's people out there grooming kids right now to take advantage of them and their parents have no idea. Mm. Yeah. You know, I'm 28 years old and I'm uh, married almost a year now, but both my older sisters recently had kids. And I think about technology and 
a future family that I'll start one day. And I'm always just absolutely terrified with like how you started it. You know, there's phones and social media are just like so toxic to people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. I'm always happy. I I grew up with like first a flip phone, then BlackBerry was a thing. And I'm like, that was simple. You know, we had, yeah. I don't remember what game we had on there, but it was simpler times. Yeah. When you think about education, even we send our kids to preschool. Why? To get ready for kindergarten. Why do we have kindergarten? So they can get ready for grades one through five or six. Why do you have elementary school to get ready? You know, the steps. Why, why do you go to high school to get ready for college? And then we take tech that now on a smart device, there's more capability than NASA had 30 years ago, right? I mean, it's now on a phone. Yeah. And then we hand it to an 11 year old kid with no guardrails and say, good luck. It's crazy, but we're doing it and we do it over and over and over again. And then parents are shocked. I can't believe this has happened. I can't believe my great kid that gets straight A's that I trust could get in that kind of trouble on that phone. Yeah. It's scary. Is there anyone else doing what you guys are doing? Yeah. So our biggest competitor is a parent having a smartphone that's used, have it a year or two, they want the next model. And instead of throwing it in the top drawer, they say, you know what, I'm just going to pass this down to Jessica or Johnny. They're probably ready. That's our biggest competitor. And it's the worst thing that can happen because then we all know what happens with, with smartphones. There are other players in our space. The difference is we have built safe from the ground up. So we've done everything with kid in mind. Mm. There are some competitors that are chasing us. And so it takes a while to build safe. So they've borrowed safe from some other places. They promote heavily how much safer they are. Or they're as safe as us. And then in a couple of clicks, we're in porn and gambling and other things that you don't want your 12 year old in. And so we believe that we truly are building this category and we're the safe tech leader for kids. Amazing. Truly amazing. Yeah. I'm excited to watch where you guys go with this because in my head, I'm like, I don't have kids yet, but I'm, I'm like, oh, they're, they're going to have this phone. No shot. They're getting like a regular iPhone. It's yeah. So I'm excited. I sent your website to my, she literally just had a baby. It's not even one year old yet, but he's not even one year, one year old yet, but I'm like, he's going to need this one day. Yeah. I appreciate it. Parents need to start making the decision now. Cause before you know it, you wake up and your, your son or daughter or kid walks into the room and says, mom, I want a phone. If you haven't thought through what your response is, I can tell you what happens. The kid begs and pleads and is so annoying, but all my friends have it. I want, I need it for, I, 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 and the mom or dad finally says, I'm done. I'm so tired of you begging me and annoying me here. Here's my smartphone <laughs> or I'll just go buy you. Just, just stop. I talk to parents every day. That's what happens is they broke me down. I got tired of it. They're so annoying. I just gave them the phone to go away. If you haven't thought through what your technology strategy is going to be with your kids or your technology plan, I can tell you that your kids are going to win. They're going to annoy you to the point where you're going to give in. How do you end up in this space or building this business now? Because there is very much, I would say, like a greater mission to this business. And obviously, you know, you could start your career or a business and there's not always so much like maybe intention or purpose behind it. A lot of businesses or jobs out of school you're focused on just like, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to make some money. This business seems to have a lot of intention behind it. I started, my career was at Nike, Callaway Golf. I wanted a career in sports and I loved every bit of it. Although those companies had missions at Nike, if you have a body, you're an athlete at Callaway, we make the most premium golf clubs in the world for the best players. I loved those missions because of me, because I love sports. Gab is different. I love this mission because I love my kids. And I'm a dad and I'm married and I have a family and it's the most important thing to me. And so when I, when I get out of bed every day, knowing that I'm coming into a place that is driving a mission and helping families and kids, it matters to me because I'm in the middle of it. I've got kids that are using Gab product. Mm, makes complete sense. Does Gab stand for anything? It came from, you know, you're trying to find a name short for a URL, short for search, fit and ads. The term gab is somebody who talks a lot, right? And kids are usually jabbering and laughing and talking back and forth. So it was a short, nice, concise name that had a little bit of a tie to, to talking. Gab Wireless was born. Awesome. I'm excited to see where it goes. So let's go backwards to how you yeah. got here to the beginning. So I'd love if you could share a little bit about your childhood. 
I grew up in Utah, which sounds safe, right? Utah. It's not the East Coast. It's not the West Coast. It's dropped in the Wasatch Mountains. How could anything go wrong? My dad, my biological dad, left when I was five. He had choices to make, take care of the family or take care of some of his own interests, and he chased his own interests. So he left at five. I've never seen him again. So wow. although he hasn't physically passed away, for me personally, it was as if he did because I have no, no interaction with him in my life. You have no connection, communication? No, and I don't know if we want to get into this or not. Four or five years ago, I felt this heavy burden that I hated him so bad it was impacting me personally. I couldn't believe, now that I had kids, mm. I couldn't ever imagine walking out on my own kids. That's what he did to me. And I carried that in such a heavy way that one day I decided I'm going to try to track him down. I'm going to call him. And if he answers, I'm going to tell him I forgive him. I'm just going to see what happens to my psyche or, or who I am. If I can verbally say out loud, I forgive you. So I tracked down his number. I called him. He didn't answer the first time. I told myself, that's it. One and done. I'm not, I'm not going to keep calling him. I got out of my car, ended up going back to my car, sat there, dialed him a second time, and he answered. It's its own story. But the short is I told him my name. He recognized me. And I said, this call is for one thing. I forgive you. After 30 plus years of hating you, I'm done. Hating you will not be something I carry anymore and I'm moving on. And although I'm not ready to have a relationship, I'm not ready to replace my stepdad or the individual is now every bit a part of my dad, but I'm just calling to say, I forgive you. And it turned into a 90 minute conversation and tears and a really positive experience, but I left it at that because that's where I was at in life then. That's what I was willing to give and core part of that was forgiveness. Wow. What was that like? One of the most positive experiences of my life. I certainly wasn't planning on it. And then it came to me and I realized that some of the things that I was struggling with in life were because I was carrying this hate for somebody that wasn't even a part of my life anymore. And I was making decisions as a dad so that I could prove that I wasn't him. And really what I wanted to do was just make decisions because I wanted to be a good dad, not because I wanted to prove that I wasn't someone else. I didn't want to be him. And when I forgave him, it freed up all this space for me to just try to be the best dad I can be with who I am with the beautiful kids I have. And I realized that a lot of what I was doing so that if I ever crossed paths with him or if anybody ever tried to compare me to him, I could say, no, nah, I'm not him. That's not, look at all the amazing things I've done as a dad. Mm. And it started to feel off with more time that passed. Forgiving him allowed me to move on and just stay within my own space to be the best dad I could be. Was there something that compelled you to call him or just? Yeah, I think as you, as you personally make more mistakes in life and you're hoping that somebody that you, I don't intentionally try to wrong anybody, but unintentionally cross somebody up or have somebody take something the wrong way and you realize, man, I, I could really use some forgiveness right now. I would like to be in a position where that individual would forgive me or I could have a better relationship. And I realized that, well, if I want that from people, he must want that. If he has any part of a soul or positivity in his life, how would it be to have your biological son call you some 40 years later and tell you that he forgives you? And I was so compelled to do that for him and then free it from me that when I called him and had that conversation, it was everything that I thought it would be and more. But I went into it with no expectations. And that's what made it really matter to me is I didn't feel like then as soon as I hung up, I had to call him the next day or I had to have him over for Christmas or I had to introduce him to my kid. I just got to keep it in a place of forgiveness. Mm. And that was a really rewarding experience. Yeah. That's amazing that you did that. So your dad walked out on your family when you were five years old. What comes next in your childhood? So my mom's single. doesn't matter how many times I talk about it. I get emotional. So sorry. She scraped, man had literally had nothing. I mean, there's no child support. My grandparents grew up in this little farming community. Her parents, they didn't have, they helped, but they didn't have a lot of money. She had an hourly job and she would go do that during the day and then come home and make us dinner and read me stories and play with matchbox cars and whatever I had at night. And I remember her crying frequently, not from pity or just being overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. 
like, how did I get to this point in my life where I've got, at the time she had me and my little sister who's roughly two years younger. She was single for three years. And then she met the love of her life, the dad I have now. He was 10 years older. He had his own law practice, extremely successful. They met at a basketball game, got married. They had my baby brother, my half brother. So I've got a little brother, little sister. And then shortly after the birth of my little brother, my mom and, and new dad were building a house together and she got in a car accident and passed away. Wow. I was nine. So by the time I was nine, biological dad gone, mom gone, living with my stepdad who I'd only known for you know, a couple of years. You lost both of your parents. It is, it is heavy. Yeah. And you're trying to figure out why me and why do all my friends have both of their parents or at least one parent? Why me? So it was heavy as a kid and I had to battle through a lot of things on my own, but my stepdad, who I don't, I don't call him my stepdad, I just, for the context of this conversation, he adopted me and my sister. He's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. What was that like as a nine-year-old? How do you process that? I don't know if I did. I was so overcome with sadness that anything I cared about, I couldn't feel happiness in it. I loved sports. I loved playing little league football and, and basketball. And I would go and just feel numb. Whether we won or lost, I didn't care. I had a really hard time feeling because I didn't want to really feel anymore. Mm. And I never got involved in drugs or alcohol or, or tried to numb out in a unnatural way. But I went through some stretches where I felt like it's me versus the world and the odds are stacked against me. And when in doubt, it probably won't go my way. Mm. That's a crazy place to be as a little kid because you, you want to be filled with hope and excitement and energy of all these new things happening in your life. And it felt like mine was over a little bit. My dad passed when I was 20. So I can't speak to this from an experience standpoint, but I feel as though if you're losing someone as a kid, a piece of your childhood is taken from you because you, the world is sort of letting you know that it's not all sunshine and butterflies and there's some really harsh realities about this world. Holidays aren't the same. I mean, moms make Christmas. Dads try. Moms make Christmas. <laughs> moms make birthdays. Moms make the first day of school special. They just do. The beauty of moms is their caring way. And not that dads can't, but my mom in particular was all of those things. She made everything special. And when that's gone, nothing feels special. I'm very curious how you did navigate from when you were nine to, let's say, teenager to early 20s. What was that like for you? And I know that's a pretty wide time period here, but I am curious what that was like navigating in, from like early childhood to early adulthood. Yeah, I think that's a great time period to talk about because there were two or three major things that got me through it. The first was my dad, my stepdad. He dug in. My mom's parents said to him, we'll take the kids. You can come see him whenever you want. There won't be any, any weirdness around visitation or, but go back to your law practice, do your thing, and don't worry about spending your life raising these kids. And he said, absolutely not. I loved your daughter. I loved their mom. I know she's gone, but I'm going to do whatever it takes to take care of them. Mm. So he had this law practice in Salt Lake that very successful had taken off and he gave up so much to be there to take care of us. I don't remember him missing a breakfast or a dinner. Now, I'm sure he did. But my recollection of my childhood from when my mom passed to when I left the house was my dad showing up for everything that mattered. So that was the first thing that got me through that stretch. Second thing is my mom's mom, my grandma, stepped in and stepped up. She lived an hour away from us. She never missed one of my football, baseball, basketball games. Not one. And I'm talking about in high school, traveling two hours away to play somebody. And she was already an hour away. So three hours for her. She'd show up in the snow, the rain, the heat. She never missed one game. So my dad's consistency, my mom's mom, my grandma stepping up and, and serving as a second mom. And then the friends that I had growing up, I, mean, I really believe that whatever you believe in a higher power, I was blessed to have this group of friends that took care of me. I grew up at their houses. Their parents are my parents still to this day. 
I've been friends with the same group of 10 guys from third grade on. I'm in a group text with them every single day. They're not friends, they're brothers. And that group, plus my dad, plus my grandma, got me through it. You mentioned how challenging things were and how difficult it was for you. And I've been there before where like the world is gray. Like when my mom was terminally ill, the world became gray. And no one could have said anything. No one could have done anything to change the way I was feeling in that moment. I remember I was walking down to uh, see a friend in Manhattan. My mom's in the hospital. We know she's terminally ill. We don't know how much longer she's going to live for. And it's a beautiful day outside, though. And like I remember feeling the breeze, sun's beaming on my head. In my head, I'm like, I knew that it was a gorgeous day outside, but I could not feel any bit of positivity. Actually, I felt, if you could feel a color, like I felt gray. Everything just felt meh. It's not like I was ever suicidal, but I didn't really, there was a moment in time, it was brief, but there was definitely a moment where I was thinking in my head, like, what is the point of all this? Is there really a point? And I was never at the point of, I'm going to take my own. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Life. It never, it never was even a consideration. But for me, that was like the darkest place that I physically ever went to because I'm a happy dude and I could not feel any happiness in that moment. I was 25 at the time. So, and I had already lost my dad. So I had, I want to say, just more time and more life experience to like process and try to at least understand and sit with those feelings and some tools maybe in my tool belt to navigate that. How do you do that as just a kid? I don't know. I wish I had this nugget of, well, here's what I did. Here's what I do know. And I don't want to get religious or spiritual other than to say, I want to see my mom again. Hmm. And there's something inside me that says, if I live life the right way, if I treat people the right way, if I do what she would have wanted me to do. She lit up a room. When she walked in a room, lit it up. Still to this day, I'll have somebody come up to me and say, are you Roseanne Randall's son? Yes, I am. Your mom was so kind to me in high school when I was at the very bottom. And I will always be grateful for who your mom was and the way she treated me. So knowing who my mom was, I wanna live my life like my mom did. I want to be known as her son who treated people the right way. And there's something inside of me that says, if I do that, I'll have the opportunity to see her again someday. That for me, even as a kid, was just enough to say, I have two paths. I can go down a dark path or stay on a little bit of a, a little bit more of a positive, lighter path. And I'm going to stay on this, this positive side of things. Because if I ever have to cross or get the chance to cross paths with my mom again, I want her to say, well done. I'm proud of you. I don't know if that even answers the question, but I hope to see her again, and I want to be the type of person where she says, I'm really grateful you're my son. It makes sense. I'm curious, how did your loss shape your perspective in life, maybe in your like young adulthood, 20s, to wh where you are today? I don't know. How, how old are you today? 46. I'm curious how your view on the world has evolved specifically around loss from like your early 20s to now as someone who's 46? I genuinely love people because of the loss of my life. I know that things can end or change so quickly. I do my very best from my past to not judge or put people in a corner. I have friends from all walks of life. 
And I'm really grateful for those friends because they've given me a perspective that allows me to, to love people regardless of background, race. I just genuinely love people. I don't know if I would be there in life and maybe my life would be more about me, me, me if I hadn't had that loss that gave me perspective to love people for who they are in the moment because that moment could be gone very quickly. You're like acutely aware of how, how precious our time is, even this moment. Really? And, and I know it sounds a little, I don't know, like Tony Robbins motivational book, some quote out of one of those. <laughs> but every interaction I have with somebody, if I'm in a good place, I want them to leave and say, that was uplifting or that was positive or I'm glad I gave my time to that conversation because I could tell he cared about me. I could tell he was invested in the conversation. You experienced these two losses so young in your life and obviously shapes your perspective, your views on the world. And I understand what you're saying, you know, maybe your life would have been more me, me, me if you didn't experience those losses. Do you like how do you think people who didn't live through some significant loss can better understand how they can live their life with more intention and understanding that like they too are not going to be here forever. I'm sure even in your business, you speak to a lot of people who are like fresh out of college. And I'm always somewhat amazed that while you're in college, you're never really asked to think about like what you actually want your life to look like. I feel so often when you're in your early 20s, you sort of are almost just going with the motion. I think there's a lot of people who just sort of your parents tell you, you should do this or you should do that. Or your good family friend is a doctor. So you're like, I'll become a doctor. And I don't think anyone ever sits you down and says like, what do you want your life to look like? So I'm curious about how you can share, or how you can teach, or how you can learn how to be more intentional in your life, how you could learn that without having to live through something so tragic or something so difficult. I think if you, if you take out the losses that I've experienced... And if you were just to talk about careers and my experiences, I've been doing this almost 25 years, not as long as some, but long enough. When I look back over my time at Callaway Golf, for example, I was there five years. I can't tell you today some 15 years since I've been there. I don't remember the projects and tasks of every day during my time there. I really can't recall them. I remember the big moments, but what I remember from Callaway Golf are the people. And I can list off a truckload of names, people that when I was there had a massive impact on me personally or on my career. And so when I talk about careers, I spend time talking about the people because that's what matters to me. Those are the, it's the people that when I look back on specific moments in my career that I remember, not the campaigns I ran or anything else related, it's people. So you start your career and it's, I got to make more money. I got to get another degree. I, I got to get a title. I'm not saying those things aren't important, but I now just want to work with really good people, people that I want to be around, people that uplift me, people that I can help, people that are headed in the same direction or believe in the same mission together. My career, when I look back over it, is all about the people I've had the chance to work with. And I wish college students understood that. No one tells you how important the people in your career would be. They tell you how important making money and titles are. Yeah, 100%. Right? That, yeah, 100%. But now I'm 25 years in, and look, I've, I've done okay. Money's important. I want my family taken care of. Titles, I get it. I'm not discrediting all of that. But I've had stretches where I've made money, and I've had stretches where I've had some nice titles that look great on a resume. It still always goes back to the people that I've had the opportunity to work with. What would be your advice to someone in their early 20s beyond just, you know, work with great people? And what would be your advice to someone in their early 20s who is trying to be more intentional about building a life of meaning, a life of significance, a life of intention? When it comes to the career part and then a little bit about life on the career side, I think looking for opportunities within jobs and companies that no one else wants to touch, which sounds just the opposite of what you think you should do. But in almost every situation I've been in, and I, I tell college students this all the time, walk into a company, find the problem, ask to take on the problem, solve it, and you set up your career. Do that multiple times over and over again, you have a very successful career. A lot of college students go into a company, settle in, they've got their gig, they've got their cubicle, they've got their stapler and their laptop, 
and they're happy just fitting in and taking care of that, the daily grind within their department, those are a dime a dozen. You're not really standing out. You're not making a difference. So I've tried to go into companies, pick a problem or something that is full on broken, go to one of the leaders in the company and say, hands up, I'll take it. I want it. I know no one else does, but I'm going to turn this around and I'll show you how I add value. One of the best ways to be successful in life, I'll be brief here. There have been periods of my career where I've cared more about my career than my family. Just, I hate to say it, but it's true. I was just about to get to this. So. It's true. I've had stretches when I was at Nike. Nike mattered more to me than my family. That sounds shallow. How could you ever say that? I had to be really honest with myself and say, I would tell everybody, oh, Nike, I'm, I'm a Nike for my family. I'm doing really well. I wasn't at Nike for my family. I was at Nike for me. I was at Nike because I love sports and I love to be in the grind and I love to travel. It wasn't the right setup for my family, at least for me, because I was a FaceTime dad. So I had to reevaluate and do some serious resetting and get back in a place where my family was my top priority. It was a kick in the gut to get there. So if I went back to a college student or if I was in a conversation and said, on the life side of careers, how do you do something meaningful? Don't let that get so out of whack that you have to wake up one morning and say, wow, I failed. Mm. I have the title at this job. I have the money at this job. I have the press. People are listening to me. I'm adding value in this company. And my wife and kids don't care. They don't care because I'm not here. They don't care because I'm not attentive. They don't care. How difficult is it to be Gab Wireless? It's a newer company, two years old. How difficult is it to manage being like the CEO of, of that company, trying to build it, trying to grow it, and then also having the family aspect? It's interesting you bring that up because as someone who's 28, I'm married a year. I know a family for me personally is like on the horizon. And my sisters, they recently both just had babies and are starting their life as a family. And as someone who's an entrepreneur, I always get not nervous, but right now my life is very simple. It's like my wife, my dog, my work. So I'm very curious, how do you effectively manage that? I'd say during the first half, of my I'm in it roughly 25, first half. I thought I had to be in everything to make something happen. If I'm not in that meeting, if I'm not on that call, if I'm not making that decision, if I'm not leading that project, it's not going to get done the right way. What a pathetic way to think. Hmm. I'm now at a place in life where I have full realization of the talent I have around me. The people here at Gab, our leadership team, next level, next level at every level. So I've gotten myself to a place to be able to say, you know what, I'm really not that good at that. If I'm honest with myself, I don't need it. If I actually step into that project or that meeting, I may very well could set the company back because it's not my sweet spot. So I'm just going to let the people who are really good at it do it and let me know how it's going. Delegation has allowed me to say at, you know, and there's some nights I'm here late, but plenty of nights where at 5.30, 6 o'clock, I can say, you guys got it or this talented group has it, I know you do, I trust you, I'm going to my kid's basketball game. But if you don't delegate, especially running a, a startup as a CEO, I don't know how you make it because it is a lot. Is it hard to turn off like the business side? You know, like you could obviously be at the basketball game, but is it hard to actually turn off thinking about what you have to get done and the things you still need to do? Of course. I get to do it this company because it's a safe tech company for kids. And our intent is to connect kids and families. If I'm in it at home, I'll say to my 10-year-old, hey, come here. I want to I wanna run something by you. She's a Gab customer. She's a kid that wears our watch. And I'll say, hey, I'm in my emails right now because we're trying to decide which new animals we should add to the watch. And she'll say, oh, dad, you have to have the cow is amazing. The octopus is really cool. Don't do the pig. <laughs> well, I'm talking work, but I... My kids are involved. They love the product. They give me feedback. They come into the office. Everybody here knows them. So it allows me to, to get work done and be involved in work, but have my family involved in a way where they feel like it's their company too. Makes sense. When you look back on the losses you've experienced, would you say that there are any, any things that the loss taught you or changed how you looked at your day-to-day -day life or how you would go about ultimately building your life? And if so, like, what do you say were those lessons or those things that the loss taught you or gave you or showed you? 
When I lost both of my parents at nine, by nine I'd lost both parents. I thought that was my challenge in life. Even when I got to be 20, 25, in my mind I thought, what else could come that's worse than losing both of my parents by the age of nine? Can't be. I mean, maybe I personally get cancer, but come on, what else could be worse? My wife and I have our first child. She's healthy, beautiful, perfect, no issues. We get pregnant with our second child and everything is, I'm going to all the doctor's appointments. The doctor's saying, you couldn't have a healthier baby, heartbeat, growing at the right rate. You're tracking towards your delivery date. You're going to have a beautiful, healthy second baby girl. We get to delivery day full term and my wife says, something's wrong with the baby. And we go to the hospital and they put a heart monitor on and they tell us the baby's in trouble and we lose the baby in delivery. And I won't take you through all the details of, of why, but a medical condition where her lungs were filling up and at full term birth, when for nine months we were told everything was going to be perfect, we lost our little girl. I hit whatever rock bottom is, I dug through those rocks and got to below rock bottom. Is the worst place I'd ever been in my life. I never imagined that I would have to bury one of my kids. So I flew, I was living in California at the time, flew back to Utah and buried my second daughter, Kate, next to my mom. It was that point in my life where I was so low. I felt like I had an understanding of what true low means. And it's given me perspective in life that when someone's in chemo with cancer, not that I've had cancer, not that I've been in chemo, but when they tell me I'm at my lowest low, I have this small understanding of what that might mean and my empathy for that person is magnified significantly. So what has it changed in my life? And this may be too long of an answer, I apologize. I don't ask somebody, hey, if you need help, let me know. Whoever calls, no one does. When I see somebody at their lowest low or when they acknowledge I am at my lowest point, I just show up. My wife and I show up with the dinner. We show up at the hospital. We show up with balloons. Whatever we got to show up with to say, if you're at your lowest low, you need somebody, we're here. We try to take action on those moments because that's somebody screaming for help. I'll stop there, but loss is crazy. And it also gets you to a place where your empathy and understanding for others and assuming that somebody is going through something allows you to look at life a completely different way. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I know what you're going to say. I lost both my parents and my mom was sick for two months, checked in the hospital, never left, had an extremely rare cancer. They couldn't figure out what it was. Like it was torturous hell. They moved her to a different hospital because they said, you have this type of cancer. Then they said, you don't have this cancer. They put her back in the other hospital. She went through three major surgeries. In each surgery, they said, we don't know if you're going to come out alive but this is what we need to do. And she made it to one chemo treatment and they told her there's nothing more we could do. So I went to kind of say, say my goodbyes to my mom. And this was personally my lowest low. And I told my mom, I started the conversation by saying life is so unfair. And then I said, the world took dad from us and now we're going to lose you. But I said, the world can't hurt me again. And she told me, don't be so naive. <laughs> the world can definitely hurt you again. And Somewhat now, you know, I'm, I'm also acutely aware of just like how I wake up every single day and I say, today's a gift. It's not a guarantee. And literally like the, I have a, a small gratitude practice and I, I write down whatever I'm grateful for every single morning. First thing when I wake up, I write the same thing every single day and it's health. The second I put my feet on the floor, I'm grateful that I'm able to wake up and literally have like the mobility in my legs. And I have this like true appreciation for just the fact that like I can move my arm is like, I'm like, shit, that's crazy. The fact that I can do this and I'm not worried about how am I going to walk to the bathroom or walk to the elevator? Those are the things that I'm truly grateful for. But the human spirit is obviously beyond resilient, but I am curious how you continue to like take a loss, take a loss. You know, I, I would always say like when my mom was diagnosed like I felt like we were sort of back to a point where I was okay again. I was finally like okay with where I was at with my life. And I still had so much pain from the losing my dad, but I was good enough to be able to start rebuilding my life. And then it's like the world decided to sucker punch me and punch me in the back of the head and rip the rug right out from under my feet. 
how do you pick yourself up time and time again? It's brutal. I mean, I think that's the first thing to realize is it is going to be really, really tough. You're going to have days that feel impossible and weeks and months that feel like you don't want to get out of bed. Where I had to shift my thinking is instead of focusing on what I don't have, what do I have? Because if I stayed in a place of I lost my parents and a child, it's a pretty dark place to spiral in. What I do have is amazing memories of a mom who is the most loving and kind person I've ever known. A daughter who, even in losing her, taught me so much. I've got three healthy, beautiful kids with me. I get to see my oldest perform. Uh, She's got an amazing voice. She's at a top university right now. We go to her concerts and she knocks it out of the park. My 14-year-old little man is hooping right now. And when I see him drive down the lane and drop a Euro step on somebody and score with his opposite hand, there's nothing better. And then I get to go to my baby girl's dance recital and watch her shine on stage. Those are things that as a dad, if I stay in those moments and can keep track of what I do have, it helps me balance it out with what I may feel like the world dealt me and what I don't have. I do know if I spend too much time on what I don't have, I end up in a bad place pretty quick and I'd rather not dwell there. Like I had a friend recently who who went through a tough breakup and he asked me, how do you move forward through hard shit? Like he just couldn't get out of it. And I just said, you just do. I don't know. And you know, like it came off a little bit uh, like blunt to the point and matter of fact, but there was nothing in that moment for my buddy that like I could have said to you. He was just asking me, like, how do you wake up every single day and you're smiling, you're happy. And I'm just like, I just do. I'm curious, what would be your advice to someone who asks you, like, how do I move forward during these tough times? Whatever the tough times are, because obviously, you know, that varies from whatever your perspective is or the experiences you've had in your own life. I'm going to answer that. But I first want to tell you, because you've been sharing your experiences in life with me, I am so sorry you lost your parents, man. I'm really sorry. I appreciate that. Where I had to get to was self-love. And I know for a guy or a dude to say, you know, do you love yourself? kind of an awkward place to be or talk about. But I decided if I love myself, not in an arrogant way, but in a I matter way, and I want to be somebody that makes a difference. If you love yourself enough, you won't let yourself stay in a place that isn't the best place for you. And part of my self-love comes from, I know my mom loved me. And I know she wouldn't want me to dwell in a negative place. And I know my daughter wanted to be my daughter. And if she were here, she would want the very best of me. So I'm going to let this hurt. I'm going to sit in it, whatever it is, marriage that's broken or a loss of a loved one, can whatever it may be, I'm going to be in it and I'm going to give myself space to grieve and hurt and feel beaten down. Because I think if you run past that stage, you're cheating yourself. But I'm also going to love myself enough to pull myself out of it and get to a better place. I owe myself that. When I caught that concept and started applying it to me, it helped me realize it's all right. I'll let this beat me down for a month. Okay. I'll be in it. It's going to hurt for a while. In a month, I'm climbing out. When I climb out, I'm going to be a better version of me than before this happened to me. Mm. That self-love is really important. And guys especially, it's an uncomfortable conversation and, and they, they don't want to talk about caring about themselves or loving themselves enough. But if you do, you'll pull out of it. I resonate with that so much. I feel like when my dad died, it's like my whole world crumbled and I rebuilt who I was and my new life. And I was more callous as a result. And I had a greater perspective as a result. And in many ways, like more armed for whatever life threw my way. When my mom died, it's like I I went back to the lowest low and rebuilt myself. The thing that I tell myself now almost every single day is knowing that I too am going to die. How do I want to spend my limited time on this earth? And I always say like, the why isn't so important. It's much more important to focus on the what, what I'm going to do now as a result of the circumstances and the cards that I've been dealt. And I don't believe that things happen for a reason. I think just shit sometimes happens. And that's my own belief. But once my mom passed, it was almost the world telling me like, wake up, don't lose sight that 
this thing called life is so precious. We can start to wrap up this episode. The Bits of Gold podcast is all about building your dream life, facing adversity, building your dream life. And we covered lots of bits of gold in this episode, but I am curious what your bits of gold would be on how to build a life you love. Said it before, but I'll say it again. A life built on people, valuing those people, caring for those, whoever it is in your life that matters. Not a group that's so big that you can't create personal connections. I'm talking about a, a circle of people that matter to you. Uplifting those people, being there for those people, having their back, being there for them in the good and the bad, being the first one to jump when they need service or, or need you to be there for them. That to me is the nugget in life that's made me the absolute happiest. Mm. When I'm focused on me, what's my next promotion? What's my next job? What's the next thing I'm going to get? Every time I get to that next thing, it doesn't bring any more happiness. The more money I've made, I'm not happier. The bigger <laughs> my house gets, I'm not, am I really that happier? I used to drive a rusty Honda Civic. Now I drive a nicer, am I really that much happier with that? No, I don't think I am. The moments where I'm the absolute happiest is when someone in my circle needs something and I have the opportunity to take it. It's that service, take care of those that matter that I think really adds up to a life that's fulfilling and in the end has purpose. Love it. Nate, you are so inspiring. I'm so grateful that you know you shared the last hour with me opening up and sharing you know some of the hardest moments in your life and how it shaped your life and your perspective. So just want to express my gratitude to you and for you. Where can people connect with you, follow you, and also learn more about Gab Wireless? Yeah, so Gab Wireless is G-A-B-B, Gab, wireless.com. All of our products and services are there. Me personally, I'm not active anywhere else except LinkedIn. <laughs> the last name is R-A-N-D-L-E. So come follow me or connect I share a story once or twice a week on what's going on in life or what's going on in business. Dan, I appreciate your time. Your parents are proud of you, man. Keep going. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Bits of Gold podcast. If you like this episode, please take a minute, subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend. Doing any of those three really helps with growing the show and would be so appreciated. So I can keep creating the best content to help you build your dream life. With that, enjoy your amazing week. I love your podcast. This is gold. This is where it's at. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.